it's hard to think about like big dumb rides and not have that particular 200 mile race in Kansas come up. You know, it's sort of a very yeah. well known uh, zeitgeisty big dumb ride. <laughs> yeah, Mindy and Ellen, both absolute beasts on the bicycles and all around lovely, wonderful human beings. Um, so they came on board to share their experiences with this gravel race across Kansas. Ellen was competitive. I mean, she was up at the lead group when she had a, a mechanical. I, I do appreciate uh, that of a season worth of asking people uh, about mechanicals. Like we finally got some people who trashed their bikes. And at that point, I noticed they all just started bunny hopping. And I was like, wow, look at them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I felt like a thump. <laughs> and that was my front tire slamming into the side of a um, culvert lip. here and we're here to talk to you about one race in particular um it's now called unbound gravel out in kansas um and by all accounts it is a pretty gruesome experience and i wanted to get you guys together because you've both done this ride and i think you've done it did you do the 200 mile yeah yeah, yeah. so we're gonna ask you to we're gonna ask you to tell us a little bit about this ride and kind of help set the scene for us by explaining um what it is so sort of paint the picture of the the elevation the kind of um surface you're riding on tell us a little bit about the ride and set it up for us um distance et cetera, et cetera. yeah um so i'll i'll, I'll take it first because there's things in there that i don't know because we prepped so hard for this <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe uh google oh, the elevation uh, in the meantime <laughs> we'll say 200 miles <laughs> probably know more about the races we're talking about coming into the show that's on us guys not you no no this is i mean I, I, we could we, we should know these things <laughs> we could have looked this up i mean we knew exactly it's not like we haven't had the time to Oh, there's all that interneting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but, but if you had looked at the questions like any time before, say, three o'clock in the afternoon today, they would have all been about running an ultra marathon. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, I didn't change the questions back until three o'clock in the afternoon today. So, anyway, where was the ride? What was it like? <laughs> well, well, we know. So, okay. So, we're talking about unground, unbound gravel. It's on ground now. That's on ground. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That, that kind of works. Uh, it takes place in Flint Hills in the town of Emporia, Kansas. Technically four days of events, but the big one that everybody follows is the 200-mile bonanza in the dirt and, and gravel, and it just sounds completely gruesome. And so you're here to tell us about that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's two hundred two hundred and seven. Six or seven. Yeah. They don't tell you. That's yeah, because you see two hundred come up and you're like, right. oh, you're we're like, done. <laughs> you're like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> Where's the city? <laughs> yeah. So two hundred just to start is like a lie from the get-go. Um <laughs> yeah, you and it's um it's all gravel so most of it the year we did it, they changed the route every year um and the year we did it was i'd say 90 percent gravel yeah. um and it's all right 
pretty like hard pack. I know, you know, having done a lot of gravel races since, um, it's everyone's definition of gravel is different and it could range from anything from like single track, boulder fields, loose dirt, um, to just hard packed roads. And this was kind of along the lines of like the hard packed roads, some sections had like rock outcroppings. There's definitely like a number of streams you cross, um, but it's not the like super gnarly technical race. Yeah. There was one good section that was pretty muddy too, that I remember like yeah. preparing to lose a shoe. What years did you guys do this race? And did you just do it the once or multiple times? just once for me <laughs> just once i've been there support now for uh another <laughs> two <Nice>. years <laughs> um and we'll be going back again for support this year and uh hopefully we'll we'll race it again um probably the 350 the not this year but the year after the 350 mile because yeah 200 wasn't Two, two, yeah, it's just not enough. <laughs> I on, a, on a single speed fixed gear, 26 inch bound bike, why not? Just... You know, why not? <laughs> Big fat tires. <laughs> you guys, what, um, what kind of weather did you have when you did it? <laughs> the start was pretty epic weather-wise. Like it was, it was forecasted to have wind. Like, I mean, it's Kansas, right? So you kind of expect that, but like, a lot of, <laughs> it was like 20 mile an hour winds, but like, you know, you're getting ready to ride to the start. We um, had a hotel that that's a whole nother story, but we were kind of close to the start. So I was going to ride and have all my stuff on or ready to go. And it's still like dark, like almost dawn. And I'm looking up and I'm like, wow, the sky looks really weird. And then I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Like a bird just crapped on me. I'm like, what was that? And I'm like, oh, again, I'm like, it's raining. And I'm like, this was totally not, not at all in the forecast at all, at all. And then I'm like, the sky looks really weird, like funky colors and I like get out my phone and like, look at the radar and it's like red, like coming towards us. <laughs> Jeffrey and I were talking about this. I'm like, yeah, there was this weird, like, you know, thunderstorm. He's like, that was not a thunderstorm. He's like, that was a death cell. <laughs> so I mean, when you woke up in Oz, what tire choice did you make? Do you have yellow brick road tires? I think I used... I used, um, yeah, ruby, ruby colored, <laughs> little red sparkles everywhere. No, I had, I think I used like, um, what are they? Donnelly MSOs. Um, I don't even remember what, what, like, frankly, I don't remember. <laughs> I, used, I do know this cause I, I'm pretty loyal to gravel Kings, um, SKs and I, I think it was riding 35s. I used them for almost every single race. Wow. Um, and the only times that I, I changed that is to go with slicks. Um, but the gravel King 33 slicks or 30 slicks, but yeah, yeah I went with the, the 35s for this. Yeah. So I, mine weren't like super like mud tires or anything, which was fine. I mean, it, it rained and that was the crazy thing. Like there was this weird, like random thunderstorm in the beginning and then 
So everything was kind of muddy, but not horrible soupy or anything. And then like by the end of the day, it was fine. But yeah, yeah I mean, you don't, like Ellen said, it's like mostly hard pack stuff. You don't need, yeah. unless it had really rained like consistently, which I know some years they have had some really nasty weather before, then you don't need anything yeah. like that. I've heard like, crazy things about the start of this race too. Cause like speaking of, you know, getting yeah. gearing up and getting ready, but, and this has been, I've done like a, just a handful of actual gravel races cause then coronavirus, but the ones that I've done, I've been sort of shocked by the starts in that they seem to be complete and utter anarchy. <laughs> Everybody barreling towards like one narrow chute, even yeah. though they're going to be riding for like a hundred plus miles. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like, <laughs> That seems to be that's like my limited experience yeah. with power stars, and I've heard that about Kansas too. They, it, it was a little bit different that year because, like Mindy said, like that like death cell came, and uh, and so they actually delayed the start, and so everyone kind of like jockeyed for position, like dumped their bikes. We like huddled under a Jimmy John's for forty five minutes, <laughs> like we're just like waiting it out, um, and then like it's basically like show up it's on you to kind of pace, put yourself like where you think you should be. So there's a little bit of guidance along the side of like, this is the, before the sun grew, you know? And so there's <laughs> markers where it's like 10 hours, 12 hours, da, da, da. Um, and no one follows that at all. And so there's people in the front who are on their like fat bikes and you're like, you're, you're the 10 hour group. <laughs> cool. You're wearing 16 camelbacks. <laughs> yeah. There, bud. Um, around you now. Awesome. Yeah. And so it's a weird, like for this race, they actually did pro call-ups. Oh, cool. Um, and so they did have like a, a corral right in the beginning where they had, um, you know, 20 people that they did the pro call ups and like let them in first and then pulled out the fencing and then did a neutral roll um, as you got through the town, which is never neutral. It's everyone just like jockeying for position um, on the, the, paved road right before the gravel turn and the gravel turn is theoretically when the race started, but everyone is just elbowing, trying to get in that first position. And it was, it was a fast start. I mean, I was elbowing and jockeying to get in position and did <laughs> so it was like, get, like, that was my goal is to like be in the front group. And it was, I mean, just fast, 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 like hard packed road racing, elbowing each other, like people just, you know, as wide as the road, filling the space, um, people who were crashing, just pile up, everyone going around them, going through it. So it's, it's kind of, it's like chaos and you're getting like pelted by rocks and sand because everyone's in such a tight pack. Um, and I loved it. That's my favorite part about gravel racing. It's just this <laughs> washing machine of like rocks and pure, utter chaos, um, for about 20 miles. Were you out there on your own, Eleanor? Do you have teammates with you? Uh, no, I was with Ken, and I immediately left him at the start because that's our our jam. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he got caught behind one of the crashes and didn't see him again until probably like twenty five miles in, where all of a sudden he just the Jan's Voigt just like pulled him and a group of like six guys up to the front, and I was like, Oh, oh my God, you're with Jan's Voigt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're here too. Wouldn't Jan's voice in our group? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Mindy, what was your experience like? So, I mean, you guys have both raced with me. I'm not the best at getting to the start line at a good time. <laughs> um, what? 
<laughs> yeah, so shocking. <laughs> so like Ellen said, it was delayed. And so we actually were like huddled in the car. Of course, we had rented a minivan for, for use. Um, and then I went to line up and I, I got stuck way far back, like way far back. And, and I'm looking around like, oh, this is not good. What did you do, Mindy? What did you do? You did this again. Damn it. Like, how could you do this again? (laughs) And so then, yeah, like it starts and then everyone even like, you know, I was probably two thirds of the way back. I don't know it way far. And yeah, it was chaos in its own regard, different than Ellen's chaos for sure. But like people of all varieties of bikes and abilities, like trying to move forward and yeah, yeah, people like literally just like tipping over for no reason. And yeah, some really random crashes. And then it was like, okay, I got to get out of this mess. So like kind of pedal to the metal, but you know, then you got the coach's brain, like, don't go out too fast. Don't go out too fast. You'll blow up. And then I'm like, but I got to get out of this. This is making me crazy. So it it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And just, yeah, very, it's, it's fascinating to me with like some of these longer gravel races where like, it's so tight in the beginning. And then you know, a couple hours in, it's like, like spread out. I mean, you'll have little packs, but you realize like, oh yeah, Ellen's probably already 30 miles ahead of me. (laughs) And like, there's people who are still way back there. Like it just, it spreads out, you know, after that. Were you able to find groups to to latch onto? Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of, it ebbed and flowed. It was kind of this very, at least for me, it was like this very organic experience. Like you'd find a group and, and, you know, sometimes you were hanging on their wheel and you felt good, you'd pull through and, you know, you, you can definitely, cause it's pretty fast in general mm-hmm. on that course, at least like you can definitely get a good drafting effect. So that was actually kind of fun. And then, you know, over the course of 200, 206 miles, <laughs> like you go through energy cycles, right? Like sometimes you'll feel really good. And so you'll just kind of ride away from people. Other times you're the one getting ridden away from, and you end up connecting with another group. So it was kind of fun. Um, I met a bunch of people, people were all super supportive and nice and, you know, all had their really own interesting stories about like why they were there and where they were from. So you got time to like shoot the shit while you're out there. So (laughs) (laughs) kind of do sometimes. (laughs) Ellen, were you shooting the shit at the front? (laughs) She probably was not. (laughs) No, 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 no one was, there was no, none of that. (laughs) (laughs) At one point I did think like I cracked a tooth because like I got hit by a rock in the face so hard. (laughs) So I was like, keep your mouth shut. Who were you with Ellen? Like, how did you kind of, did you have a strategy aside from getting in a good position? Did you have a kind of game plan for your time? I did. Yeah. I mean, and like any race, like you get a game plan and then it like goes out the window as soon as they like start the, the gun. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was to go out as like hard as possible, being the fastest group that I could be in, um, and stick with them as long as possible. Uh, and then just carry through to the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> see where that takes you. <laughs> yeah. It was the year you all did it, the year that the EF pro guys showed up 
to Unbound Gravel, or was that after you? That was that was the year after. Yeah, yeah. Been watching gravel racing, which has all these qualities that Mindy you just described of being super supportive and and like fun and welcoming and kind of open to all. See, you know, more and more pros showing up and racing and kind of making it a little fancier. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, like I mean, there were like Jens Voigt was there on ours. Like, yeah, I think like when we did it, there there was still that wasn't as much of a thing. Like now it's definitely the thing that they're doing. Becoming uh, more, more so. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do to prepare for the race? Well, I know one thing Ellen and I did, we, we listened to your very first podcast guest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we had a little, we had a little session with, with Steve and Jenny, um, at district cycle works actually, where they awesome. like imparted all of their knowledge. Um, which was really helpful for me. I'd never done anything like that big. And then, you know, part of it, that was intimidating for me was that you're out there with basically no support. Like you're on your own while you're out riding. Yeah. You can have, you know, there's what, three checkpoints where you can have a person there and, and give you food and whatever you need. But otherwise like something breaks, you got to fix it. Um, which for me, <laughs> I'm not the saying I'm not the best mechanically is like really an understatement. Like it's really pretty bad. Is there some more so, in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, this is, for me, it was a big thing to like, actually, I wanted to do this partly to learn how to take care of stuff that breaks myself. Um, and I certainly had lots of opportunities for that out there. Um, so for me, it was like literally like practicing how to like do things. Um, you know, this is also my first real foray into the whole tubeless tire thing, which was all new. Um, and yeah, like practice breaking chains and fixing them and, um, getting you know the gear and we can get to a funny story about what i didn't do to prepare which <laughs> um i would add to the list but yeah definitely like listening to words of wisdom from others like steve and jenny um you know with tips about like how to carry your hydration and food and things like that and then doing some practice rides not enough practice rides with the actual gear that i was going to be using before i ask ellen the same the same question what didn't you do to prepare <laughs> so yeah so you know you, you have to carry your stuff so you're you're not just carrying your normal saddle bag and carrying stuff in your jersey pockets you got to carry water so i had like i had borrowed a larger saddle bag you know under seat saddle bag from patricia who like she loaned me a lot of stuff which was awesome um and <laughs> What I did not do was actually practice riding with it. Um, and I also did not zip it correctly, which Jeffrey, my significant other has always told me how to zip things properly. And you never zip something at the top. You never put two zippers at the top because then they slide down gradually, right? So as you're going over like all the gravel and the other, like while the gravel is smooth, the thing that is not smooth there's like freaking cattle guards everywhere out oh, there. Oh yeah. Oh. Ellen has a lot. We both have a lot to say about cattle guards. <laughs> that's gotta. That's gotta feel great at but like 190. <laughs> right. But so what happened? I had, you know, all my gear carefully 
compiled and you know the folks at district cycle works were awesome too with like matt was like you need this and you need that you don't need that you need this so i had all my stuff in there i knew where it was i was all set i could fix anything and so i go off a of cattle guard like i was all proud of myself like hopping up on it fine go off and then it's like funk and i'm like oh shoot did not see that and like flat tire i'm like all right i'm fine you know pull over on the side of the road i got this and then I'm like, I go to my little saddlebag and I'm like, all, all my shit's gone. <laughs> like, it was wide open. <laughs> like, everything's gone. <laughs> and and so, yeah, I lost all my CO2 cartridges, little CO2 chuck, um, my multi-tool. I Yeah, so I was like, well, all right. The frame pump saved my bacon. So, and I was like, all right tubeless tires are supposed to be magic what happens when i inflate it so it worked um but yeah so i lost all all my um my repair stuff which fortunately at that point i could call jeffrey yes frame pump yes they're magic <laughs> um so i called jeffrey and i'm like and he it was the first i lost my shit call <laughs> um there was another one <laughs> And I'm like, if you haven't left town, can you please go buy more things? Like, I lost my stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah, and then the other thing that I also did not test was I had one of those little handlebar bags. I can't remember the brand. That's like, it cinches at the top. And it's like a little pouch. And you just pull mm -hmm. your food out, you munch. Well, if you don't cinch it and you go down, there's like this one really kind of rocky downhill. And I get through that, no problem. And then I'm like, ready to eat. <laughs> and like, again, like, I'm like, where's my food? <laughs> like, all my stuff is gone. And like, my food had ejected out of the bag, you know? And so someone behind me must have like scored big time, but. Round score. Yeah. Score. Like, so, yeah. So then, yeah, that, that is what, and I had not prepared for how to ride on no fuel. Um, and that was like far in, that was between the second and the third checkpoint. So it was like into the wind and I had no food. Actually, that's the funny thing. I actually did find like half a little Lara bar in there, like at one of the check stations, like I had it and I didn't need it. But yeah, I went to a very dark place there all because like stupid things. Like I just didn't use my gear properly. We're, like, we're going to no. unpack that. Uh, Don't worry. Um, no. We're going to get there, but first, uh, Ellen, what did you do to prepare? <laughs> well, like Mindy said, Steve and Jenny give us excellent advice. Um, I, I'm less of a preparer. <laughs> I like to kind of wing it. <laughs> that puts you in some good company with other podcast guests, including yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think, I mean, what I did like was definitely focus on the training. Cause I figured like if I had the legs, everything else would just fall into place, which is not always true. Um, <laughs> so I started racing road and I hired a coach and was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fit. I'm gonna like 
learn how to race my bike, not just pedal it. Um, and so that was, that was definitely a big part of it. And I, I traveled with Ken, my partner, who's, who was racing in, I think one of your podcast guests at another point, he is a preparer to an extreme. Um, and so I heavily rely upon that. <laughs> for, for different. Just show up. Just tell me what <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I think that like, I, I did not do enough course recon, um, for what was out there, <laughs> but the thing that I remember the most is Jenny said, as you're coming in, like, you'll see the bonfire lights and you know, you still have like 20 miles to go. <laughs> and I kept like remembering that. And the other thing was the, the weird thing about, um, unbound gravel is that it's unmarked and there is like literally no markings for this course. And so you have to, you actually have to know how to use your GPS. Um, and so I kind of learned how to use the root finder on my Garmin and to, I tested how long the battery would last, which it does not last the full, I think it took me like 12 hours. It doesn't last that long. So you had to have like a battery pack for it. But that was definitely one thing that I was very nervous about because I think you've all ridden with me where I've gotten lost and I <laughs> kind of keep pedaling and I don't realize I'm lost. And so I did not want to get lost on this ride. I don't know anyone else who tends to do that to me. <laughs> I've taken Sarah and Mindy on some adventures to miss well, turns. Holly's <laughs> also the one, she's usually dropping our asses on rides. And like when we've gone out to Lost River, and we've been like in the middle of some soul crushing, gut wrenching ride. Helen will be like, now's a good time for me to just kind of practice my hill stuff and she'll take off. But sometimes she'll, she'll get like, she'll, she'll go. And we're like, Helen, it's a right turn. Helen. Yeah. So I, I, I have a habit of just taking off with like no idea where I'm headed or where the route is or anything about how I'm going to get home. No, that's um, not your primary concern. It's so endearing now. <laughs> She'll figure it kettle, out. This is kettle calling the, the pot black though, Sarah, <laughs> because <laughs> this is your MO. You, you drop me on these heinous climbs and you miss the turn. And I'm sitting here staring at this like 13% grade. And I'm like, do I, do I go catch her? And just like, like the bears ever. I don't know. <laughs> Just wait till she decides yeah. to turn around. <laughs> yeah, I sense I sense his absence, and then I check my phone, and there's like a really nice patient text oh. message, like "missed it, wrong turn," like poop emoji or something. <laughs> Twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. So I mean, I know there's a lot of this ride is this ride is really crazy, and but you guys are both incredibly strong cyclists. I, that said, I'm just curious if there was a moment when you thought you'd gotten in over your head or maybe started having second thoughts about this ride that you'd prepared so much for. Look at you, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that I had second thoughts about it. I was more just mad at myself um, because it was totally my own fault. Like, cannot blame anyone else for what happened to me. Like, and like Ellen said, like, you can be as fit as you you want like you hope that carries you but like weird stuff happens and like I was like dang it I totally brought that on myself um that was definitely in when I lost all my food and it was I don't remember I'm at like mile 150 or something and oh going into a freaking headwind and like 
yeah, like on the wrong side of Bonkville, like total, like getting off my bike and like walking. Cause I'm like ready to pass out. And I'm like, wow, way to go, Mindy. <laughs> and like, you know, people were funny. Like I say people were nice. Um, but then like, you know, you'd ride with them. And then I, I was like bad off at that point. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I lost my food. And they're like, Oh, that's too bad. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you got a freaking granola bar or something. <laughs> Nobody offered you food. No. And like, technically you're not supposed to take it from, you're only supposed to accept support. That's like neutral support available to everybody. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm in like, what? 350th place at this point. Like, you know, you got to disqualify me for like taking a granola bar. Fine. You know, whatever. I just want to forget. You can go to glycemic shock. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But there was, because you can take support from anybody who's giving it to everybody. So there, there are people like farmers out there, like with their pickup truck, handing out water, spraying it with their hose. And there was this woman who was handing out, she had a cooler full of Coke, like 10 miles before the checkpoint. And that woman was like an angel to me, like, <laughs> like handing out Cokes. And I like that got me back, but that was definitely the darkest, <laughs> darkest point of the ride was like, Wow. And, and knowing that I did it to myself, I think that was, that was the hardest part. <laughs> what about you, Ellen? So for me, um, I, again, did not prepare as much. Like I didn't learn how to, to break chains and fix them. And um, what I did wrong was, or the darkest place was actually after the highlight place, um, immediately following where I had gotten in with the Cliff Bar racing team. And it was the best bike racing I have ever seen. Like they were the smoothest pedaling, like just flowing over the roads, just like mesmerizing legs, just turning over in the huge, like, and I was right behind the guy that looked exactly like Thor. (laughs) Not paying attention to my bike that much. (laughs) And all of a sudden there was like the line you could see just like snaking down because everyone at this point is just pacing. This is about mile uh, 70. And, um, you know, so we're, we're crushing it. And I'm like, I'm in fourth place right now. Like, this is awesome. Like, we're, this is the best. Like, oh. <laughs> um, and at that point, I noticed they all just started bunny hopping. And I was like, wow, look at them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I felt like a thump. <laughs> that was my front tire slamming into the side of a um, culvert lip. and hit it pretty hard because we were going at a very fast clip um and it it tacoed my rim luckily I didn't fall I was able like you heard this pop and they were all like oh no sorry dude (laughs) I was like no there they go (laughs) my my dream team um luckily Ken was behind me in that pace line and he pulled over with me and and uh we couldn't get the because the the rim was so tacoed we couldn't get it to seal and you know threw a tube in there realized we didn't have any of the co2 cartridges because we left them back at the checkpoints because we're like we won't need them like we're good (laughs) (laughs) wind hills (laughs) bullshit um and so didn't have any co2 had the hand pump which again they're clutch just like mindy said um and so that's the point where we went through the first tube and 
just immediately it, it popped, you know, took maybe a quarter of a mile. And at this point I've watched just like a hundred people go by. We're standing on the side of the road and I'm like, oh, we can't even get out of here because another thing with Unbound, there's no SAG. There's like a children's nonprofit foundation that does support for you. And so that's what we used for the aid station support. Um, but we knew that they weren't going to come for at least another hour. And I was going to have to watch the entire race go by as I sat on the side of the road with this broken wheel. <laughs> like, how are we going to get out of here? <laughs> so, so that was probably the darkest moment is just, again, watching like the hundred riders go by, not knowing how to fix this situation and realizing I would literally watch the entire race go by before Sagwagon came. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. If you had had a time machine, uh, what's one thing you might've done differently to prepare? I would learn how to bunny hop. <laughs> <laughs> realize that if everyone's doing it you just don't even question <laughs> you, just, yeah. you just hop <laughs> when they hop you hop yeah just go just do it <laughs> I would I would definitely one either you know figure out how to use my gear right that would have been smart um and two I think like one lesson learned was like distribute it so, like, maybe I could have actually put some bars in my jersey pocket instead of all had them in my bag, um, just in case something weird happens. Like, spread, spread what you need <laughs> in different places, which, you know, kind of worked, because, like, I had the hand pump. I didn't have the CO2 cartridges. Um, you know, I had a fanny, like, a fanny pack hydration. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, which is another thing Steve and Jenny recommended. So could have had more stashed in there. <clears throat> so, yeah. No, I got, I got a pretty clear highest high, lowest low, <laughs> Ellen. But I, I didn't get a highest high from you. <laughs> oh, so mine happened in the opposite order. <laughs> I had my lowest low, which I described. <laughs> and so the transition from the lowest low to the highest high, when I was like literally in the hole, like just feeling crappy. I'm like trying to text Jeffrey, like, Hey, lost food, need protein, not feeling so good. Like these little random texts that are like half delirious. And so when I showed up at that final check station, he had like <laughs> gone and found like Subway sandwiches. And I'm like pulling out ham and cheese and I'm like, just eating it <laughs> like, <laughs> like a crazy woman. And I just kind of sat there for a while, like quite a while, like so much for quick check stations and refueled and like started to feel normal. And it was like, it was getting towards night. And like, I really wanted to finish before night. And that was kind of demoralizing. I was like, wow, I'm so far not making it. But then I like loaded myself up with food, like in multiple locations <laughs> and left that final one. And like there was a lot of wind that day and the wind like started to die down towards dusk. And as I left that checkpoint, I like had beef jerky on one side and jelly bellies in another side, which are like my favorite ride food ever. That's I'm going to remember that jelly bellies. That's yeah. They're the best. And like, you can play games with them. Like you put them in your cheek, like a swirl. And then you bring like one into your mouth and you chew it and then you guess what flavor it is. And that like keeps your mind going, right? <laughs> so I'm playing the jelly belly game and then occasionally like, oh, gotta eat protein. So I'd have some jerky. 
and I'm cruising and like the roads were really smooth. And like I had, I was mostly in my aero bars at that point. Cause that was another helpful tip that Steve and Jenny had was have aero bars, not necessarily cause at least for me, I wasn't going that fast, but it's another position to be in. So you don't get sore. But at that point I was like full on, like, I felt good again. I was like, Oh, I can actually ride. And like that last section from there all the way in, I just, I felt so good. And like I was cruising, I had, um, I had an extra headlamp on cause by that time it was getting dark. Um, yeah. And that, that was definitely it. Like that last 30 miles or so. Um, and then there's also something called chase the Che, <laughs> um, which is another fun thing. That would be my second like sub highlight within that section because, um, those who don't know, like, I think it's salsa bicycles. They would bring out like this fancy Victorian red velvet chase lounge and they put it out on the course, like for you to pose on and sit on and it's supposed to be motivating. So like, Hey, if you get there, you can get to the finish. Cause they put it pretty close to the finish. And my dear friend, Patricia, she's like, you must bring a prop. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to bring a prop. Like I'm already bringing all this other crap. She's like, you must bring a prop. And so she had found on Amazon a green fan, like an oriental fan that would you know, <laughs> unfold. And she's like, this is your prop. You must carry this. And I'm like, I will carry this like for you, Patricia, <laughs> all 206 miles. I'll carry this fan. And so it was fun to actually like, I made it to the freaking chase lounge and I'm like, all I really want to do is keep riding, but no, I'm going to like actually sit there and just like chill and enjoy the moment. And like, get out my little fan, which is absolutely completely MIA, by the way, I have no idea where that thing went, but that was another highlight was just like, kind of just having fun and like remembering like, yeah, I was disappointed and I wanted to do better, but like, this is more what it's about. Like there's like the sun setting and it, you know, it was like beautiful crickets and frogs and I was totally my happy place. So that's awesome. That's yeah. so great. Ellen, how did it, how did the Dan for you? Were you guys pretty much stuck there until you were able to get a SAG support or were you able to get back on? No, we were able to get back on. Um, yeah. So I should have ended with that. Like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we ended up going through, um, three different tubes and the last one held luck of God, you know, stroke of luck. Um, rocks had jammed into the side of the, uh, the rim. And so there was enough rocks and gravel lining the side to keep the tire in the middle of the rim and not on the edges where it would hit the pinched parts. Um, it was just, I mean, there was just like raw edges there. So the wheel filled, the rim filled with enough rocks and stones to keep the tire in the middle, um, to actually finish the rest of the 136 miles, uh, about. And so it was basically like, it was one of those things in retrospect, like you're full of adrenaline you're like, Oh my God. So we'd gone through all the tubes that we had. We got to the aid station. Um, we had some friends who were also doing it from DC and, uh, and one of the guys crashed out. And so he was like, you can have my tubes. And we're like, great. Like, this is awesome. Hopefully we don't need them. Um, we didn't, but when we finished the ride and looked at the wheel and then, you know, brought it into district cycle works afterwards too. Like, it's like, there is, this is stupid, <laughs> like, just dumb, dangerous shit. <laughs> like, you just 
should not have ridden that bike on any sort of descent or even a flat at any sort of speed whatsoever. And but you're just like pumped up on adrenaline. You're just, you just go, you're like, well, the, the, the rocks are holding my wheel together. So let's just keep pedaling until they explode. Um, <laughs> God. basically like after I knew I wasn't going to podium, like there wasn't a, a chance of getting back there. Um, just going out there and having a really hard ride and, and the aid stations, because we had again, like those kids who were helping. And so it's just kind of like put things in perspective where we like pulled into the aid station and these flock of like little girls who are probably like six to eight came running over and we're like, I mean, we're gross, like covered in dirt, like covered in goo and slime and like rivers we had crossed and um, just gross. And these little girls like come running over and they're like, do you want a sandwich? I want some chips. <laughs> like, food. And, like, it was just like, oh, this is like, this, this is just a, a bike race and a big dumb ride that like, you get these little kids coming over and you're just like, Oh, this is kind of awesome. Like, this is really, really great. And all those people on the side of the road who are just out there cheering, like for no reason whatsoever, they're cheering your big dumb ride going by. <laughs> it's like they've been out here for 12 hours doing this. Like Kansas is awesome. Restores your faith in humanity a little bit. are the best people. Continuing with the people theme, like who I met along the way, like just riding with random people. And that like that last, the very happy leg that I had riding from the last station into town actually connected with these two guys from DC. And like, so we just, and they had, I think one of them or maybe both of them, their headlamps had died. So like they had no lights. And so we were like cruising into town and cause Patricia had helped prepare me. Right. Because. <laughs> Like I had a light on the front, I had a light on my helmet and I was just like, and my eyesight's crappy. So I needed that, but I was just like cruising in. And so we just chatted, you know, and you know, then coming in. And since I was later, there were still like a ton of people in the town, you know, Ken and Ellen had like showered and had meals already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but having, you know, them and Jeffrey be there, it was, it was super cool. It was like, ah, this is just, this is what it's about. It's, you know, yeah, it doesn't totally. matter what I placed. It was like, just, it was epic adventure. Well, this brings us to, um, the last segment of our big dumb ride, which is our big dumb questions, uh, quote unquote, rapid fire. Although these have not been rapid at all. Give up on this concept, but we're going to hit you with a series of questions. Um, and how do you want to do the Sandy? Should we, should we go back and forth or hit, Ellen first and then Mindy. I want I want all the answers. I want all the answers from everyone. And okay. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll 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 hold ourselves accountable for um no we won't. We won't hold ourselves accountable. No, that's not so, no, no, we'll we'll ask each of you each question. Okay. Uh, you, had, you had different rides, so well, you know, these yeah. aren't even really about the ride, so whatever. <laughs> all right. So question number one. Uh, Ellen, is there anyone in the cycling industry you look up to or admire? Um, yeah, I'd say there's a lot right now. Catherine Curry, um, I'm racing with her online. Uh, she's on my internet Zwift team and <laughs> she is, she is just like remarkable person, remarkable rider. Um, just really, really awesome. What she's done for women in cycling. What about you, Mindy? I'm just going to put it in a category because there's a few people who fit it, like who have gone through some really 
crappy, like maybe it's a physical illness and then they're like, they end up on the bike and that's what brings them back or like a really difficult emotional struggle or life circumstance and then the bike brings them back. So yeah, there's a couple people from Portland who fall into that category, riders in, in Mavra. And then like, it just, it reminds me that like, we can't take what we have for granted and that people, you know, go through so much more than I have to find joy on the bike and like go through so much more physical pain because they've had an, a major injury or something and just are able to, to find joy in it and joy in life again. So categorizing without putting it on a name. That's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> Great answer. Um, well, we're going to, uh, that was a, actually pretty thought, thought provoking, meaningful uh, pair of responses. So I'm going to scrape the bottom of the barrel and hit you with something that will be impossible to answer in that way. Mindy, what is the strangest thing you've eaten mid-ride? Strangest thing? Well, I told you my dynamic combo, which I think most people might find really strange, of the jelly bellies and jerky. I think it's strange, but it's so good. So I, I'm going to say that. And then I guess the other, like, I will sometimes just bake whole sweet potatoes and stick them in my jersey pocket. There's a former cross-country ski racing friend turned cyclist of mine in Portland where we'd, like, go on these crappy rainy rides. And he'd, like, bake the potato, like, nuke it in the microwave in the morning, put it in his jersey pocket so it would keep his low back warm. I'm like, that's so brilliant. <laughs> that, that is multitasking. Yeah. And so so I did that on, um, shoot, what was it? Iron Cross. And I remember, like, we are in this, like, nasty, like, hike-a-bike section. And I'm just like, well, I'm not moving very fast. I might as well, like, carry my bike in one hand and, like, eat my potato. And, like, <laughs> I remember coming up to a photographer at one point, like, you know, they're cheering you on at the top of the hill. And he, like, puts the phone, like, the camera down. He's like, are you eating a potato? <laughs> I mean, race photographers, race photographers have seen stranger things. <laughs> they much stranger, but that struck him, apparently. <laughs> That's good. Good one. Ellen, what is the strangest thing you've eaten mid-ride? Um, I would say uh, when I was riding Crete, totally again unplanned ride where um decided to go out for like thought we were gonna do two hours went out for about eight um ran out of food and water do not speak any sort of greek uh but stopped at the very small gas station i will say um where the only food that they presented to us in our just pointing at stuff was some sort of like mystery hash i will soon came up the whole rest of the ride <laughs> it was like green coffee which is strong as hell and just this mystery plate of food that i'm not sure wasn't like dog scraps that they just gave us <laughs> like, just, here's some stuff um we're not really serving food it's kind of like a gas station arcade um so i don't even know what it was but it did not go down easy. <laughs> That's disgusting. That was really gross. <laughs> oh man! I'll I'll see your slim gyms and jelly bellies, and I'll raise you a <laughs> plate of dog vomit. <laughs> I like to call it mystery hash. <laughs> Ellen is not sure what she ate, but it was strange. Mindy, what is the worst clothing choice you have made for a ride? <laughs> this is my very first year bike racing, bike riding. I think it was my second race ever 
had like just joined the team. We were sponsored by Hammer Nutrition, thought we were really cool and got like Hammer Nutrition gear. And it was like cold. It was like March in Portland and raining, raining, raining. And we, I put on the jacket and it was like a thermal kind of jacket. Not at all something you should wear when it's pouring down rain. And like three of my teammates, we all had them on, you know, they look cool. But we got done and it just like absorbed the rain. Like, it's like 8,000. <laughs> yes. Like we got done and I'm just like, I just, I was freezing cold for one. And then it was like, I took the jacket off and it literally just like started dripping and like, just like fell. It created its own puddle on the ground and all my teammates did the same thing. And we're just like, Whoa, that was stupid. What about you, Ellen? Uh, it was on a ride with you, Sarah. It was the Porta skyline on that second day during the rain. Oh, so it's skyline like there one day, you stay the night and then you bike back the next day. And the next day was again, just same weather ideas, many like trenchly raining. Um, and I decided I would wear Gore-Tex socks. Cause that sounds awesome. Um, they basically just collect the water and keep it around your foot <laughs> and don't let the water escape or drain. <laughs> It's like, oh, this is so gross. Um, so do not recommend Gore-Tex socks to everyone. They just, they keep the water in. What's the biggest mechanical mishap that you've ever experienced on a big ride? Ellen might have described hers already. <laughs> Describe mine, yeah. Um, I mean, right, you're off the hook on that one. Yeah, so besides the, the tacoed wheel, um, <laughs> I, I moved to last year with my team to um, uh, electronic shifting and um, did not charge the batteries. Um, so did not bring the batteries on the bike. Apparently, oh, wow. you have to like put the batteries on the bike after you charge them. Um, so I left them at home and it's one gear the whole way. <laughs> oh. Yeah, mine... I would say it was out on Skyline and I was with some of, I ride a lot with the guys from V-Day and there were like four of us out there we were coming back and yeah, had a, had my shifter cable snap. Um, so yeah, totally couldn't shift. Um, so, and you know, you're out on Skyline, so you can't just like roll around <laughs> in, a, in a big gear, which was what I was stuck in. So um, chain brake tool, which this was something that I got from my dad. I had it like this giant tool in my bag and I was so proud of myself that I was actually prepared and had this. Um, so we were like pulled over on the side of the road and we like broke the chain and, you know, figured out what gear might actually be reasonable to mash the whole way back on skyline back into front Royal. Um, and basically just put the chain in that gear and I mashed. There you go. <laughs> mashed up the hills. <laughs> Amazing. Ellen, what's one thing you'd bring with you on any big dumb ride? Oh, um, snacks. <laughs> I'm motivated by snacks. <laughs> but <laughs> gear wise, I always, um, now I always bring pocket hand warmers. Yes. Oh, smart. Yeah. Mm. Always. Yeah. Leave them in the bag. Mindy, what about you? Yeah, mine are the pocket toe warmers. 
Same thing, because my, my feet and my hands get so cold. I remember, actually, Ellen, we were doing a ride. Was it, like, one of the Haymarket rides? And we were, like, there was a, a crosswind, and, like, both of us, like, our right foot was, like, numb and, like, felt like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm always carrying those, and then usually lots of extra food. I usually just carry a lot of stuff. Like if you need something, I usually have it, I would say. You are good about that. You yeah. And, and then with COVID and like doing more solo rides, like Sarah got me onto the idea of like, just carry a little extra bag, like one of the little handlebar bags. Yeah. Like so, yeah. Total. Like you can just throw stuff in, especially if it's cold out, like extra layers. Like, yeah, I just, I bring a lot of stuff. Yeah. I bring a lot of stuff and then I bring Andy. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, last quote unquote rapid fire, but not rapid fire question. Um, if money and time was no object, what's one product that you'd bring to market that doesn't exist yet? And it could be an app, a tool, a bike accessory. It could be anything. Oh, for me, hands down, something that regulates your feet and hand and and hand temperature because that <laughs> makes a good ride go bad so fast. So that would be mine. Like just thermoregulate so you don't have to think about it. I've, I've finished four out of five of my big rides this year so far with at least some numb toes. Yeah. It's so <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, I hate it. Club foot. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ellen? I would... Again, money and technology aside, the thing that you have in cars now where like you get too close to like the white line or the yellow line and it like pulls you back to the middle. On a bike. Too close to the other rider, like pulls you back to the middle. Like, oh no, you got too close to that rock, like pulls you back over. Um Can you imagine that in a race scenario. Right? Is that going on? Like yeah. right now it's just like people yelling at each other. <laughs> three dudes like imagine what those guys <laughs> they're like a big old pile ups like all gone because like electric it's pulling yeah. over the bike corrects you for you the bike helps you out <laughs> that's what i would do <laughs> right I like it. we have one more question for both of you and um this one is is kind of born out of sarah and i's discovery this year or the last year or so that um, when the entire world falls apart and there's nothing normal about your life at all, um, then you can make sure there's nothing normal about your bike rides at all either. And it all just seems to kind of come out in the wash and make you happy. And so we've been kind of going on these ever increasingly long rides. And I know that all four of us on the line today are uh, bike racers to some degree and are used to some degree of, of structure. And for the last year, we've, we've not had that. So that's the long way of saying like, can you tell me or tell tell us more about your current relationship with cycling and what it has meant to you over the last year of it not being normal? Yeah, I, I, mine has been especially not normal. Um. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> What's that you've got in your life? <laughs> Little dude. Um, so it, I I had Xander, um, my son, who's been hanging out during this podcast. Um, right as we went into lockdown. Um, and so, you know, like pregnant leading up to it. Um, and I made the choice to, to ride inside mostly after five months. Um, 
or after six months, just a safety, like didn't want to crash, whatever. Um, and so, and then having him, like it took a, you know, couple weeks to get back into, to even riding again. But I feel like it's, my relationship with cycling now is very much indoor, um, much more than I would like it to be, but it is super convenient and <laughs> it is cold. And usually I have a kid, uh, in the room or on his monitor during his nap time. Um, so it's a very, they're big, dumb rides haven't happened in a very long time and I love them. Um, so I, it's just a, a I think a new perspective and pause um, where I'm like raced on Zwift this afternoon and immediately got off and had a kid and have yet to shower, <laughs> jumped on a podcast and like that's just kind of what what riding is now. It's the um, sort of release uh, of fast hard rides on the internet. But it, it doesn't sound like, you know, during this period of extended reflection that it has uh, dulled your appetite at all for big rides. If you're talking about going back to the same race and doing the 300 million miles. <laughs> it you've got big goals, right? So what, yeah. how's that? How's reflecting on that been? It's been, um, you're right. It hasn't dulled the appetite at all. In fact, it's like almost made it where it's like, at one point I will get back to that. It's almost like a milestone to like reach, you know, it's going to be like the next level of like, okay, well let's rebuild some fitness. Let's be able to get this. And, and even with, um, new schedule changes and everything, like I realize I'll probably be riding in the dark more than I ever have <laughs> to get around, uh, wake up schedules and whatnot. So I'm like, I could, I could really just embrace this and kind of take on the, well, what is riding at four in the morning on the canal look like? <laughs> and, and, uh, try to have that. So it's definitely a future goal to look for and know that it's, and I know that it's, it's just going to be later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a some SAG support, I think future SAG support. Well, and I will say this too, that I, um, have a bike carrier for him, a little bike trailer and, um, fully intend to like first century grand Fonda will be with this little dude behind me, uh, dragging his little strider and taking lots and lots of breaks, <laughs> and dragging the little, the little carrier. And, uh, yeah. So I think that, that the, a lot of the rides in the future are going to involve um, carrying around a 50 pound trailer and <laughs> lots of mini strider riding brakes. Good training. Little, a little weight resistance. <laughs> Mindy, how about yourself? So having the bike this year has reminded me why I started doing it in the first place. And I've found like even more forms of gratitude on the bike than I ever have before. So whether it's like, wow, just, I miss my bike commutes. Like, <laughs> like, you know, a couple miles in the morning and at night, like just even having that contact with the, the climate and the atmosphere and being outside. Like I really struggled with that when I first went into lockdown, like, I would have to go run around the block or like do something just to get outside in the morning and like have that fresh air. Um, so it really, 
it reinforced like, wow, yeah, I do this to get outside. I do this to look at cool things um, and not like I've always loved racing, but to me more of the racing, it's, it's more with my teammates and the pushing myself aspect of it. It's not so much like I have to race to be happy. Like I'm totally fine. Like I'd be totally fine if I never raced again. And I think that's one thing that this has shown me. It's like, I love being out here in lost river and like stopping and wow, that's a really funky looking tree. What happened there? Like, let me just think about this, <laughs> like taking pictures of trees or like, Possessed by a demon is usually Sarah and I's answer when we stop and look at trees. But that, maybe that's just us. I don't know. Yeah, definitely, there's Probably. some. Like, I have no idea what happened here. Um, yeah, so that sort of thing, and like just getting outside and not not being in an office park doing a crit like that. I have no desire to do that again. Um, and I really miss riding with my friends. <laughs> And so every little taste of that that I get, it's like, oh yeah, like it comes back to the people, right? Like, yeah, this is, this is one of the things that I love doing is connecting with people on bikes, like having crazy adventures and finding demons and, you know, demon possessed trees and you know, <laughs> eating weird things and realizing you totally messed up on your, um, your clothing. I miss like Sarah and I, you know, we'd probably spend like an hour before every ride on a Saturday, like texting each other. What are you wearing? <laughs> I wear my booties. So, you know, you know, <laughs> like pandemic be damned back to basics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will say I did, I did sell my road bike or selling it. So I, oh. I realized I'm never going back to road. <laughs> That was one thing the pandemic taught me. <laughs> you can, I'm, you're ready to let this go. I have a road bike. It's got 32 millimeter tubeless tires on it. Guys, this has been so much fun. It's, uh, it was, I wanted to hear about your, your, your races and you're both extremely badass lady cyclists in your own right and it's been such a pleasure learning how to race and ride bikes with you and so this was also just a, a great excuse to hang out <laughs> since we can't hang out in person and yeah we look forward to your future exploits when we can all ride together again i hope we can reunite as well but um looking forward to seeing you in in uh, in kansas in 2022 ellen on that podium <laughs> we'll be happy to support you um, the long one that doesn't have a podium because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's dark outside still there. Um, yeah this was so fun thank you guys. and Mindy we'll look forward to seeing you in Lost River <laughs> <laughs> right finding trees and exploring hills exactly <laughs>